Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, the managing editor of the Niners Wire. Joining me, as always, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of the Touchdown Wire. And Doug, we have NFL Draft to talk about, like real life NFL Draft. We're yes. diving in all the way. We discussed it a little bit last week with pro days and things like that. But this is this is going to be an NFL Draft heavy show. It's and April. Baby, the rubber meets the road. There are four teams in the draft this year with yes. two first round picks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you hit a home run with those two first round picks, or maybe you're the Cleveland Browns in 2014 and you draft uh, Johnny Manziel and Justin Gilbert and it's a disaster and it sets your franchise back. Maybe you're the 2017 49ers and you take Solomon Thomas and Ruben Foster and it's a disaster and it sets your franchise back. Yeah, it's really tough. Ouch. I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's a tough, it's, it's, it it was a tough go for, for Shanahan and Lynch's first draft, but that's fine. So let's start in Houston. You give up two first round picks for Jamal Adams. Oh, also tough. Also, also tough. tough. A very good coverage linebacker. though. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So the, the number of first round picks does not give you any certainty of actual success. This is a, this is a separate conversation, but it is fascinating. And, and, and I'll dive into our, to our first down here, but it is fascinating how different teams value first round picks. Yes. And just where teams are. You have guys like you have teams like the Rams and the 49ers that are just like to heck with those, get rid of them. We're going to take a big swing. And then you got other teams like Houston, for example, that is hoarding those picks. They have two first round picks in this year's draft. They have the second overall pick and they have the 12th overall pick as part of the Deshaun Watson trade. They would have picked first if they had just lost like a normal team that's tanking at the end of the year. But they decided that they they needed to win that week 18 game. They dropped to the number two pick. So the Texans, number two, number 12, how do they go about using those picks, Doug? Yeah, Levy Smith decided to get competitive at the worst possible time. Uh, and got fired. The, the whole reason that Eagles fans were throwing snowballs at Santa Claus back in the late 60s was because the Eagles started winning and they took themselves out of the race for O.J. Simpson. That's why it happened. So uh, there are, there are bad times to be competitive. And there you go. Uh, the first thing the Texans need to do, obviously, is avail themselves with the best quarterback possible. I think C.J. Stroud was first overall to the Panthers, who traded up with the Bears for that top pick. The Texans get Bryce Young, not a consolation prize, because he has all the attributes you want in a franchise quarterback. And I don't think his size is as much of a problem as some might. You know, you watch the tape. He doesn't get hurt. He knows how to land. He knows how to fold up and, you know, avoid serious hits. So I'm not uh, – you know, I'm not in the, oh, my God, he's going to get killed in the NFL. I'm not part of that camp. Uh, then if you're me, if I'm Nick Casario, the GM, you go get Young the best receiver possible with that 12th pick. I know they have other needs, but you can address those things later. They traded Brandon Cooks. They don't have a lot for Young to deal with, and Young's going to need receivers. Duh. Uh, Houston also has the 33rd, 65th, and 73rd picks in this draft. So I wouldn't be opposed to them moving up to get that receiver if there's one they really love, like going up from 12 to somewhere else. I love Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I think he's the best receiver in this draft class. Right now I have him going in my mock that's going up tomorrow, Tuesday. 
I'm going 10th overall to the Eagles, which apparently, Kyle, you're mortally offended by this. Uh, but I have Houston at 12 taking TCU's Quentin Johnston. If there's one thing Young struggled with at times at Alabama, it was throwing deep over the middle just, you know, because. And let's so let's give him a huge target with massive after catch potential. Um, you know, they could go all kinds of different ways at two and 12, but that's how I'd handle it. I want to put a pin in the Jackson Smith and Jigbutt of the Eagles thing. We'll get to that later for sure. Yeah, I but know. <laughs> I'm totally with you. They are QB or bust at number two. And I think I, I think it's Stroud and Bryce Young are like a 1A, 1B for me. Sure. And then I think there's a pretty significant drop off. So Bryce Young is not only the best quarterback available here. I think he is a he's a this is I can't quantify this term, but I just think he's a dude. Like I just he think he's going to be a culture changer in the NFL. Yep. And I think his ability to make second reaction throws, to create plays out of structure, to move around in the pocket, I just think his game, despite his size, is going to translate really well to the NFL. And I think he could step in right away for Houston. And if they hit these other picks, if they hit on 12, 33, 65, 70, they could contend in the NFC South, or I'm sorry, yeah. the AFC South yeah. like next year. I they would win the NFC table. South right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they are they would just I think be in a really good spot if they brought in Bryce Young. I get you know Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and big you know strong big arm guys. I I I get it, but I just think you have to go with the the highest floor here. And not to say that well, Bryce Young has whole, a low ceiling. The whole like quarterbacking thing that kind of matters when you're a quarterback, I guess. Yeah, being able to play the position is definitely key. And Bryce Young, I think, can play the position as, yep. as well as anybody in this draft. So uh, at 12, I feel less strongly that they need to go with a receiver just because I think that so many receivers come in and produce right away. And when you have 33, 65, and 73, <laughs> I think you can still get a pretty good pass catcher in sure. one of those spots or at least a productive pass catcher. So for Houston, I think you just go with best player available here. And I know that's such a cliche, but I don't, I don't think like positionally – Houston needs to go to one spot. Like if Jalen Carter falls to 12 or if Christian Gonzalez falls to 12, something weird happens. And one of those two guys is there. Um, maybe it's Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Uh, I like Nolan Smith a lot. The defensive yeah. end out of Georgia. I know yeah. you have him going a lot later. Uh, so maybe 12 is a little bit of a reach, but I think he is just a game wrecking edge player on day one. Yeah. And Houston needs that. And D'Amico Ryan's, I think is going to want to build a defense in his kind of image and style. So if there's a very good defensive player there at 12, I think you can go that route. I don't hate the idea of Jackson Smith and Jigba if he gets to 12, but I just don't think it has to be receiver or bust for them at yeah. uh, at the number 12 spot. I love Nolan Smith. I, you know, I'm not worried about the injury. He blew up the combine. Great. I, I think he's better in certain fronts, and I will explain myself later. Okay. So, okay. Very good. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks, who have the fifth overall pick, which is nuts. Like they trade Russell Wilson. I'm sure they thought, okay, they late first not, round pick. Did not expect that. They, they, now they're picking in the top five. Totally insane. And then their own pick is 20th overall. Like I'm guessing they would have thought if you said, hey, you're going to have five and 20, they probably, it, given truth serum, would have thought those were going to be flipped. Like yep. their own pick would be five and the Wilson pick would be 20. Sure. Nevertheless, Pete Carroll and John Schneider reached deep into their bags last year, had a terrific draft. And now they have the the kind of draft capital they haven't had since their first year together right back when they got Russell Okung and Earl Thomas. Um, I, I think those were picks number six and 14. Yep. But where does, where does Seattle go here? 
Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, you know, remember the scene in the Blues Brothers where the woman says, "Yeah, we play both kinds of music, country and western." I think with the Seahawks, it's either defense or defense. Mm. Uh, I can I can see the logic in Seattle taking a receiver to work with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but you can get those guys later. Cincinnati's Tyler Scott just I he seems like a Seahawks third receiver to me. Um, so it, it it's such a deep class. So you know you can get that done later. Jalen Carter will probably be there at five, and the Seahawks could absolutely use some along the defensive line. But I asked both Carroll and Schneider, uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider at the Combine, why their 2022 draft was so much better than the five or six before it. And they both responded with the importance of getting guys who had no issues getting on the field right away with the right mentality as opposed to betting on pure talent and not doing their due diligence with the off-field stuff i.e. taking Malik McDowell in the second round and he never plays. Uh, so I'm not sure they want to take that risk, even though Carter is the best overall player in this class based on his tape. His tape is preposterous, but there are other things to consider, obviously. Uh, in my latest mock, which again, Tuesday, I have Seattle taking Oregon quarterback Christian Gonzalez with the fifth pick and Pitt defensive lineman Kalijah Kansi with the 20th. Both players have reams of ridiculous tape and both were amazing in their combine drills. I think proving, you know, as you just prove it more and more as time goes on, that there aren't any issues above the neck, so to speak. They are both plug and play guys and both could help set Seattle back on that sort of Legion of Boom path. So two things here. I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but one, shout out to Seattle for not needing like an offensive tackle or offensive line help in the first round. Amazing That's what just... happens when you draft offensive linemen to be offensive linemen as opposed to like D3 defensive tackles and trying to turn them into guards. Shocking. Mm. Yeah. Truly, truly shocking stuff okay. happening in the PNW. So shout out to them for that too. Also, I'm not allowing... Tom Cable leaves your building, your O-line evaluation <laughs> becomes 26 times better. It's mathematically proven. Uh, these are the analytics that people watch for. Yes. Um, <laughs> Two, the Seahawks are not allowed to draft a running back in the first round. I'm sorry. I'm not anti-first round. I'm not anti-Bajon Robinson. I'm not. But Pete Carroll and the Seahawks are not allowed to do this. They okay. need they they need help on defense. Kenneth Walker's great, and you can get another very good running back later in the draft, Pete. I promise. Yeah. You don't need to go get one in the good first round. Good luck telling him what to do in the first round, because he gets really <laughs> he, gets, he gets fidgety, man. <laughs> and the drum Dude. solo starts in his head. And yeah. They also they've also said Just they're chewing going, the gum a little extra harder. Yeah, they're gonna take a center, but that's probably with one of their second round picks. Um, yeah. and Schneider loves to trade down, so there could be all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, so I love I love a defense heavy look here. Uh, Gonzalez would pair really nicely with Tariq Woolen, who I, I think is a, is a budding star in the league. I think Carroll would have a ton of fun utilizing a guy like Kansi's athleticism, just moving yeah. him around the line. But speaking of moving guys around the line, Miles Murphy from Clemson, I, I know he had the injury, but it looks like he's, he's making his way back from that. I could see him being a player that Pete Carroll really likes as like a, as like a base down edge setting run mm -hmm. defender who he can then kick inside to pass rush from the interior, which is why I think since Michael Bennett, he has loved those guys. He can move around. Yeah, exactly. And I think miles, miles Murphy is going to wind up kind of being that kind of player because he's, he's huge. I don't see him having a, the like bend and athleticism to really just be a pure edge rusher, yeah. but I think he's athletic enough and long enough to really be a problem for, for guards and centers on the At interior. So he can still, you know, he can still burn the edge, which is impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, 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 no doubt. Not to say he can't do that. I just think his home is going to eventually be uh, moving around the line. And I, I think Pete Carroll does that uh, as well as anybody. However, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this mm -hmm. because let's say something weird happens and teams in the top 
four hate Bryce Young because he's small. If Bryce Young's there at five, the Seahawks have to take him, right? Yeah, they do. Okay. I just I wanted mean, to I, honestly, I wasn't sure where you landed on Geno Smith and, and what his future was, but if, I, if I Bryce Young Gino, falls, they gotta go. I think Gino's gonna be great for the next two or three years at least. And I think Gino has it's an impressive upside, but there is a ceiling. Um, I have thought all along that Anthony Richardson is there at five. People are going to have to like hold each other down from saying, okay, put that guy behind Gino for a year. And then we have a guy who is built like Khalil Mack and runs like Michael Vick and throws like Randall Cunningham. Why, why don't we just do that? Would you be anti Anthony Richardson? No. For the Seahawks? No, I I wouldn't be anti Anthony Richardson for any team because again, (laughs) This is a physical profile for a quarterback that we literally have never seen before. This guy breaks the matrix. So I'm not opposed to any – the only thing I'm opposed to is having you think we can just roll them out there like the Bears did with Justin Fields and Matt Nagy's horrible stuff and see how that goes for you. But I would not be opposed to Anthony Richardson. If the Colts wanted to take him one – or someone wanted to try and move up to get that, and they took him. I would understand it because again, you're you're it's a big bet, but you're betting on a quarterback the likes of which we literally have never seen before right. at the most important position, the most ridiculous athletic traits in pro football history. Hmm. That's going to be hard to pass up for a lot of teams. Everyone, and the other thing is, yes, he is a, a work in progress as a passer. He improved as the season went along. I've written mm-hmm. about. That. The tape shows it. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not anti Anthony Richardson for any team. You just have to know where he is now as opposed to where you think he can be. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So it's Richardson or Young, I think, are the two offensive players that really make sense for Seattle here. Maybe if Smith and Jigba gets to 20, then then you go that route and you put him with with anywhere if he if he's like if. If he's still there in the late teens, I would think Seattle would want to trade up for something like that. Yeah. But. So that that's really, but other than that, I think Seattle leaves leaves the draft with uh, with a pair of uh, with a pair of defenders on day one. Well, they're well aware of how bad their front seven was last year. They got Bobby Wagner back, which is you know that's not just a, a one day retirement thing. He's yeah. got him in the tank, but he can play still. They need to do a lot more. No doubt. Uh, let's let's move on to the Detroit Lions, our third team that has a pair of first-round picks. They have number six overall. That was part of the Matthew Stafford deal. Uh, they also probably did not, when they acquired that pick, figure <laughs> that the Rams would be one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> so they wind up picking six. Their own pick is number 18. So Brad Holmes, I think, has done a really nice job. And if we had had this conversation six weeks ago, I would have thought a lot differently about how Detroit needs to approach the draft. Two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, just pre, pre-free agency. Uh, time has no construct for me anymore. Like, I, I, I have no... I, I thought, I genuinely thought free agency was like four or five weeks ago. Yeah. It was a couple. <laughs> but if you had told me before free agency, like, if we'd had this discussion, I would have thought a lot differently about how the Lions need to attack this. So how do you think Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell need to go about round one? Well, they get Cam Sutton, they get Emmanuel Mosley, they get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and those are all great. And and Gardner-Johnson's more of a safety slot. I think I think Sutton and Sutton is a starting corner in the NFL, both outside mm-hmm. the slot. Mosley's a good sort of rotational guy. I think at six, that doesn't preclude them from going Gonzalez or Witherspoon, or if they like Joey Porter Jr. or whoever they like. Um, you know, to take that first pick on a cornerback, but 
you know, the more Jalen Carter slides in, in the top 10, the more teams are going to have to be like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing it. We have to. Um, and I think it really, of all the teams in the top 10, that would be a good fit for Carter. I think the Eagles are one, but I think the Lions might be the best because, you know, it, Carter will need a strong environment around him. Dan Campbell, I mean, we make fun of the ankle biting stuff, but those those players buy into whatever he's yeah. whatever he's selling, they're buying it. Then they're buying yeah. it in volume. So they have a, a ton of assistant coaches with NFL playing experience at a high level. That commands respect. They have mm-hmm. enough going on on the defensive line where he doesn't have to come in and be the alpha dog right away. Um, they have a lot of guys who are sort of pointed in the right direction. So you know, I, it, you know, it, he wouldn't be asked to do everything, but he would be in an absolute net game, net gain every time he steps on the field. And I think that's how you get the most out of Carter's talent while sidestepping the ancillary issues. And that's why I have him going to Detroit in my mock mm-hmm. that, um, you know, this latest one, and it, I'll have him bouncing around before and, you know, in my, in the ones that come after uh, with the 16th pick, I have Detroit making a move that will absolutely get me drummed out of the analytics community if I haven't done already. I think they should select Texas running back B. John Robinson, the best prospect at his oh position, Saquon Barkley. Robinson can do everything on the field. He broke over 100 tackles last season, which is insane. And he can also be the epicenter of Detroit's offense while the Lions continue to mine the most possible out of Jared Goff, which is still a low-ceiling endeavor. Uh, I can see them going quarterback or cornerback if things set the right way here, but that's kind of how I have it going now. And yeah, I, can Pajan- already, I can tell already that you're upset with the running back thing. No, 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 no. I, I, I actually like that for a team like Detroit where they have a quarterback that needs a really good run game yep. to be, to be, to maximize his effectiveness. I think Bajan Robinson can step on the field day one and help change that offense and just elevate them. Yep. Now I would, my question would come in after let's say five years and say they pick up his fifth year option. Are you then paying him a boatload of money to continue yeah. being in your offense? That's where, that's where my, my hangup would be. I don't think you do that with running backs anymore. I think the, the Todd Gurley thing, it was like with mm-hmm. Jamarcus Russell and slotted contracts, not that Todd yeah. Gurley was, you know, he got hurt. It happens. Um, you know, you're not going to do that anymore. You reset the clock after the first, you know, four or five years, whatever it is. And then you move on. That's what the Raiders are doing with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was the most prolific running back in the NFL. You tag him, you see what happens, but you know, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So they had to do it by the franchise tag. But with running backs, you're kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off. Um, you know, we'll see. But I, I, you know, I don't look at it like an NFL team drafts a running back in the first round. It's not like I don't think you have to get ten years out of him for that yeah. to work. If you get five really good years out of him at a really top two or three level, um, the Raiders in that draft they took Cleveland Farrell and uh, Jonathan Abraham, both absolutely. We're talking about teams with bad, yeah, multiple first round picks. Looking back at Josh Jacobs' career, would you say that was a mistake to take him in the first round? Even if that, even if this is his no. last year with the Raiders, I wouldn't say. Now you could no. say, well, they had so many other needs, sure, but that's not his fault. He came in, he whooped butt. He was good from the start. Mm-hmm. 
he was great last year and he'll be great this year if he's healthy and okay, let's go. The the thing that makes Bijan Robinson to me, I, I understand the pushback against taking a running back in the first round. I really do. Um, because you can go get Devon A. Chain in the second or third round, maybe from Texas A&M and have a really good, productive, fast pass catching back. And you didn't have to use a first round pick on it. Like I get that, but Robinson is different. I mean, you you can't say this guy guy doesn't exist in the second round. That doesn't happen. No, no. And that's, that's why, that's why I don't have a problem with him at 18. Like he's a different, and you met, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. Saquon was, was a freak athlete and he, he was an unbelievable prospect, but I actually like, Robinson to me, like, yeah, he relies a lot on his athleticism, but his balance and the way he breaks tackles and the way he moves is just, it's special. Again, so, over a hundred missed tackles forced last year for pro, pro football focus. Yeah, that, and that's, that's astonishing. It's not. Like, and that's not having, just him being, you're having a Heisman trophy season, season. If you break 70, 104 or whatever it was, it was over a hundred. That that's just on a different planet. Yeah, he just moves. He just moves in a different way. That's not like straight line speed or super high. Like jumps really high. He's just he is a he is a special special mover uh, between the tackles, outside the tackles, and catch passes. I, I I like that for for the Lions. I think I think Detroit's pretty fascinating because I'm in the camp that they should draft a quarterback mm-hmm. because I don't know that they'll be picking this high again anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that at all. And I think it's Richardson. If he goes at six or 18, like I, I, I think that's a great landing spot for him. So I, I, yeah. I would be, I would be down for Detroit to do that, especially now that they've bolstered their defense the way they did in free agency. Uh, Jalen Carter is, is a great idea for all the reasons you laid out. I, I don't have any, any pushback there, but if they like an edge defender, like Tyree Wilson from Texas tech, if Carter's off the board, Sure. Um, I know it's a little bit of a reach, but I, I think it makes sense if you think he can come in and be a game-changing, game-wrecking edge defender opposite Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Um, so at 18, that's where, you know, if one of the quarterbacks falls, I think it's a no-brainer. I don't think one will get that far, but um, I also kind of wonder what what you think about Detroit going with a tight end here because they traded TJ Hawkinson last year, and Mel Kuyper Jr. has them going with uh, Notre Dame tight end Michael Meyer. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in your thoughts in plugging a player like Meyer or Utah's Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I like it. Uh, Meyer, I, I think, is a bit rich for 18. I would, t- okay. Kincaid, to me, your profile is very much like Travis Kelsey uh, coming out of Cincinnati, I think, sure. But here's something else. <laughs> you said they take quarterback, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what that run game would look like with that offensive line and Bijan Robinson with the later pick and then Anthony Richardson at quarterback. Oh. How on earth do you stop that? Yeah, and then it's Amon Ross St. Brown on the outside just in case. Like, yeah. The kind of evil stuff you could obliterate defenses with. Yeah. That'd be fun. Not, yeah, not Detroit- that can happen. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I, like I said, the calculus for me has changed a lot with Detroit yep. after, after their free agency moves. I yeah, think, I think Brad Holmes has done just a really nice job. And nailed it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what's what you want to do get to our last team here. We have the defending NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. They have the 10th overall pick from the saints. They have their own pick, which is number 30 overall. Before we get to how should Howie Roseman and co operate in the draft, how does the NFL let this happen? How does he keep getting away with this? Howie Roseman's unbelievable. Yeah. Shout out to him. 
what do they what do they do with these two picks? Got fired by Chip Kelly and then just waited around and bided his time and came back and yeah, he's yeah, he's he's something else. Destroyer of worlds. Yep, exactly. Uh now if the Eagles wanted to trade up in the top ten or hope that Jalen Carter might slide to ten, this is another potentially great environment. Um new defensive coordinator Sean Desai is a veteran and highly respected coach. And this move would reunite Carter with Georgia teammates Jordan Davis, who kind of also needs a little bit of his own motivational issues at times, and Nicobe Dean, who doesn't. Uh, but for now, as I said, I have Philly taking Smith and Jigba 10th overall. Good luck defending him, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith, when you have to keep at least one eye on the Eagles quarterback-centric running game with Jalen Hurts. That's no fun uh, and not really possible to do. I also have the Eagles taking a Georgia defender with their 30th pick in my mock, and that's Nolan Smith, who you talked about. Mm-hmm. Totally dominated the combine after the injury. He's not the most powerful disruptor at 6'2", 238. But he's stronger than you may think, and the Eagles will likely continue to lean on a lot of those five-man fronts they used a lot. And that that's the thing. I mean, could I see him going to the Texans and, and uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan's having a great time with him? Yeah, but at 238, generally in a four-man front, you want your guys maybe 10, 15 pounds heavier. So right. that that's my only, my only real – it's not even a ding. It's just a, a wonderment with Smith – Sure. I would want him on a team that runs a ton of five man fronts. So, and in this case, it would be Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick on the outside of your five. Good luck. But that's, that's yeah, terrifying. that's that's how I that's how I have it going. I mean, if they get those two guys, their offense is impossible. Their defense is impossible. They probably win the Super Bowl. So, yeah. So, putting Jackson Smith and Jigba in Philly, I believe, would be something like a war crime. Yeah. I just don't know how you defend that. I don't know what you do as a defensive coordinator. Because, again, you have to keep at least one of your two eyes on what Jalen Hurts is doing because he's going to do something. And if you, you know, you can't run dime and just have everyone backpedal or he's going to run for 35 yards and then you're scorched. Yeah, and just he's so good at getting open. He's so good at working in space. Like, I know he didn't blow away his pro day or anything like that, but he's just, he gets open a lot. He has great body control and he catches the ball. I, yep. I, I he's I think he's going to be just a really productive player right away and putting him alongside those other two receivers in this offense with Jalen Hurts now with uh, Rashad Penny in front of that offensive line like I just that's that's a a very very tough task for for any defense I wouldn't be surprised if they went with Nolan Smith at ten though uh for for all the things you laid out like I I just think in that defense you're looking at a guy that's just going to regularly put up like eight nine ten sacks and just be a really mm-hmm. really good player. Uh, off the edge so putting him on an already dominant philly defensive line makes a ton of sense but i I think jackson smith and jigba if they go that route i I have a very hard time arguing against it for all the things it could do uh for them (laughs) offensively at 30 though again i want to get back to the tight end thing because this is a this is a very good tight end class and i'm big on the like two tight end sets for teams that want to be uh, that that want to be run heavy, but mm-hmm. then who also have a, a talented quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and I love the idea of just twelve personnel with uh, with Dallas Goddard and either either Dalton Kincaid or or Luke Musgrave or whoever, mm-hmm. and just rolling out two tight end sets all the time and just bending defenses that way. Because yeah. I just don't know if you've got to defend uh, a read option and then you've also got two tight ends who can both get out and affect the game uh, as as receivers. 
I just don't know how you go about trying to defend that. On a, Ask on Andy a, Reed, the Chiefs had the second most two tight end sets in the NFL last year. That behind Baltimore, yeah. they had the most three tight end sets. Um, Feels yeah. like it's a, just kind of heading that way. Yeah, it is. Um, I Sam Laporta from Iowa, I think, will be an underrated guy. Someone who get a steal for him because he played at Iowa, and they don't. They don't actually have an offense. They don't have a playbook. They put eleven guys out there, and they just kind of bump into each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. What What does Iowa know about producing tight ends? You know, uh, yeah. Um, the other thing, Rashad Penny, and I know this because he was in Seattle. Uh, when he's healthy, he is a top ten back. That's a big, mm-hmm. big, big when and if. Mm-hmm. If they have a Jameer Gibbs from Alabama to look at, at I would, you know, that wouldn't completely surprise me. Running back might be a sleepy position for them, even though they have all these. I have them taking Rashawn Johnson, the, who's B. John Robinson's backup at Texas, in, I believe, the third round. Totally. I mean, he would have been like a, a superstar anywhere else. It's just he was playing behind B. John Robinson. So they could go, you know, running back, I think, still is a consideration for them because Miles Sanders wasn't just good. He was there all the time. With Penny, mm-hmm. you just don't know. Sure. That makes sense. All right, that's four teams that have two first-round picks. It's going to be fascinating to break this down with you, Doug, here on Four Down Territory. I believe next week, is it next week? Yes, next so We're going to do a, uh, we'll do a live mock draft. That's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait for it. Woo-hoo. So tune in to that and tune into Four Down Territory every week. I'm Kyle. He's Doug. See you. Thanks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.